Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast. Um, Adam Luckett coming to you here for another Fun Belt edition. It's actually episode 25 overall for the podcast. We've been doing this a good amount of time, getting a bunch of pods up every week. I believe we're getting up three up each week. So make sure you're checking all that out. And if you haven't already, um, be sure to give us a review. Um, it helps us uh, grow the podcast and helps us get more up. Uh, more more uh, listeners and just helps us get out through a week if we get uh get enough ratings it's just going to help us out in the long run so we appreciate it and today we're going to talk a little g5 football and only g5 football as always and joining me again on this fun belt edition is aikman chambers you can follow aikman at radio guy ac on twitter and uh, make sure you're checking out all his stuff on the site he covers App State and Coastal Carolina for us. Eggman, how you doing, my man? I am doing good, Adam. I'm still uh I'm still mending pieces of my broken heart that I suffered in Boone last Saturday, but I'm slowly but uh surely getting there as days go by. I tell you what, I, I, we expected that it could be a good game as App and Wake always is, but man, did we ever get a classic last Saturday. And of course, that was the game of our week, game of the week last week for us. Let's talk talk about that game just kind of walk us through it how was the atmosphere and then what really happened that really cost the Mountaineers a victory there well I tell you what number one the atmosphere was top-notch amazing 110 percent there biggest home crowd ever to watch an Appalachian State football game uh, just over 35,000 people I think the exact total was 35,000 126 we were packed in there people standing on the concourse uh behind us uh, where i sit on my side of the field people lined up all over the concourse just standing up because there weren't places exactly to sit uh it was an incredible game appalachian and wake forest had that defensive slugfest battle we expected the kicking game, though, penalties played a factor for Appalachian State, but the kicking game is what hurt the Mountaineers. I mean, the memories of the Tennessee game couldn't be at the forefront of your mind even more when you think about this Wake Forest game from last Saturday. Uh, Michael Rubino had a hit, an extra point blocked after Appalachian State scored a touchdown in the first quarter. The extra point was blocked. Then right before halftime, he missed a field goal that would have put Appalachian State up 12-3. to And if you look at how the scoring went out in the second half, if Appalachian State would have got that field goal before the half, We'd be sitting here talking about a Mountaineer 22-20 to victory, but it wasn't meant to be. Then with 10 seconds left, uh, Appalachian State, Michael Rubino, his field goal was blocked. This time he had been kicking it low all day. The Wake Forest players realized that. They told their coaching staff that. So they loaded up and they jumped, timed everything perfect. The kick was low once again there at the end. 
and Wake Forest walked out of Boone with a 20-19 victory. Wake Forest had a high-octane uh, third quarter. That offense woke up a little bit for the Deeks in the uh, third quarter. They scored 14 unanswered. But for the most part, I think uh, for the exception of the missed uh, extra point and the uh, missed field goals, Appalachian State played the better game. It was just those crucial things like that. Special teams, as we know, can make or break you. From my perspective, it appeared that App State outplayed the Demon Deacons. They rolled up 494 yards of total offense, and Taylor Lamb was really locked in, had 372 yards passing. It looked like they kind of abandoned the run game there, the Mountaineers, as they threw it 50 times. But overall, they ran a lot of plays. They ran 84 plays on the day, but to only come up with 19 points really, really stings there. As They, they really had uh, the chance to get a huge huge power five win they did i mean this is the closest they have come since tennessee uh, this game was at home uh here's i think a prime example why these two teams need to play if not every year at least every other year my vote would be every year wake forest appalachian state is a rivalry in north carolina saturday was a prime example you had wake forest fans yelling back at app state fans you had app state fans yelling back at wake forest fans I mean, this game is a rivalry game, and the players' efforts on the field reflected that. It's, and my big takeaway from this game, once again, Terrence Upshaw, the leading rusher now for the Mountaineers, once again outplayed Jalen Moore. And I'm he, now that Appalachian State is into a bye week this week and got some things to work on before they're back at home against New Mexico State on homecoming Saturday next week, I think I think Terrence Upshaw may have uh, supplemented his spot as the number one running back in Boone. I honestly think if uh, this point forward right now, I think Upshaw should be your number one back, and that that's just my perspective. I don't disagree. To this point of the season, he's really outplayed Moore. Moore is just really struggling for whatever reason. It's it's really kind of befuddling. But moving forward, as App State sits at two and two, and they're getting in as a I believe they play UMass later in the year, but the rest of their schedule is conference slate, so they'll be in the Sun Belt for most of that. What do you think they really need to work on um, to make sure that they can uh, live up to expectations and that's going to be to bring home a conference title? Well, the past three games, the defense has been there. I mean, you look against Savannah State, Texas State, and Wake Forest at the combined total points given up and the way it's broken down. The defense has been there. The defense is making the plays. I still think it has to come from the offensive side of the football. The offense did some great things in that Wake Forest game. Freshman wide receiver Thomas Hennigan is going to be a young man. You're going to hear about over the next three years, three and a half years at Appalachian State and out of the Sun Belt. This young man has got loads of potential. For people that haven't seen, if you want to go online, I know the play's on there. Lamb throws a pass, I believe, middle, late part of the third quarter to Thomas Hennigan, or maybe even the fourth quarter, and he keeps it, the drive alive because it was third down. He made a spectacular one-handed catch, uh, fading himself out of bounds at that. This kid is going to be special. I think it, the plays still have to come from the offense, and I'll be honest with you, I think the running game has to step up even more. Uh, so than the wide receivers. Yes, Upshaw is the leading rusher for Appalachian State, but it's all he can do to barely get to 100 yards in a game. He's still only getting 80- to 90-some yards a game. Uh, so, I mean, the running game still has to come alive. Upshaw has been the much better back compared to Jalen Moore at this point, but as a unit in the hole, the rushing game has to be there a little bit more than what it's been in years past. 
Yeah, when you look at uh, the rest of App's schedule, they're going to be double-digit favorites in probably every game. The only one that might not be is when they host New Mexico State after this bye on October 7th. But it's setting up for them to really kind of run the table and finish at 10-2, which would be an excellent season. And the defense, like you mentioned, they, they've been playing really good football all year. Now looking back at that Georgia game, that was a pretty decent performance they put on because Georgia's looking like one of the better teams in the country this season. And then they pretty much played lights out since then. But it's really going to be – I like what we're getting from Land, that quarterback play. He's been excellent. I just posted an article that kind of uh, assesses the Sunbelt Player of the Year race, and I had him at in that third spot right now. He's only taken three sacks on the season, thrown eight touchdowns and zero interceptions, and he's pitching in uh, on the in the run game as well. And then his two top targets from last season haven't even played this season in – Shaden Metters and Darrington Evans. So he's been really, really good this season. And like you mentioned, his leading receiver is that Thomas Hennigan, that freshman. So I, I like what they're getting from offense. I like from getting their defense. If they can just get that running game going. Upshaw has played really well for them. If they start getting anything from more, they could really get on a run in the late part of the season. Oh, I agree. From this point on, I expect New Mexico State to be a very uh, interesting game next Saturday. Of course, I'll be there at uh, homecoming uh, Saturday in Boone, and that's going to be an excellent game. I'm really looking forward to seeing the Aggies in person. But from that point on, you know, you got Idaho, Coastal Carolina, uh, UMass. That game could be a possible trap game. That game I'm not so confident on because UMass is not a bad team uh, this year. They took Tennessee to the limit uh, this past Saturday. Then you got uh, Louisiana Monroe, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and Louisiana Lafayette to end the year. So from after New Mexico State, for the exception of maybe UMass, I mean, you're going to be tough to find a game that Appalachian State may not win by two touchdowns or more. Absolutely. and It's setting up. They can get past the Aggies. They should run the table in the conference. But we'll move on to another contender in the Sun Belt, and that is the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Um, in one of the premier G5 matchups last week, the Red Wolves traveled to Dallas to take on Chad Morris's SMU Mustangs and really got outclassed. SMU ran for over 300 yards, total 580 yards on the day. Uh, two turnovers really hurt the Red Wolves as SMU pulled away with a 20-point second quarter to go into halftime leading 30-14, to 14, and Arkansas State really never recovered from that. But they start, they're getting good quarterback play from Justice Hansen, and they're going to be a team as well that when we get in the summer play that's going to be a contender. But – I wouldn't take too much away from that SMU loss. SMU might be playing the best football of any G5 team as of the moment. Yeah, I'll tell you what. uh, The SMU Mustangs look legit. They took TCU. uh, They hung right with them a couple of weeks ago. And, I mean, Arkansas State, give them some credit. They were up 14-10 after the first quarter in this game. The Red Wolves came to play down there in Dallas. And then all of a sudden, SMU woke up in the second quarter and said, hey, wait a minute, let's – you know, put the throttle to the floor here. And they did. They scored 20 unanswered in that second quarter and then just kind of coasted in the second half to that 44-21 victory. And, I mean, when you run for 314 yards uh, and you pass for 266, that is an offensive machine that's going to be hard to stop. Yeah, the one thing about Arkansas State, for me at least this year, um, in the two – they've only played three games, so it's still early. But in the two games against – legit FBS competition. Of course, they played Arkansas Pine Bluff and just blew the doors off them. Their defense has really struggled, and that was a, somewhere we thought they would excel this year. 
course, their defense carried the way last year, but it seems since they're going to this up-tempo kind of throw it, throw the ball all over the place offense, their defense is really struggling. A guy, Javon Roland Jones, who was the Sunbelt Player of the Year, really hasn't made an impact yet this season. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, it could make them susceptible in Sunbelt play if they're not able to get stops and every game becomes a shootout. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Rollin Jones is a guy that I really thought would have another great year this year. Uh, And so far through the three games that the Red Wolves have played, his performance has just not been there in my eyes from what I've seen and and stat lines I've looked at for uh, Arkansas State. And I'm looking for him to uh, wake up as Sunbelt play gets gets going for Arkansas State here. over the course of the next couple weeks because if he can get awoken and he can start making plays like he did last year, take some of the pressure off some of these other guys on that uh, A-State defense, telling you what, you're looking at a dangerous Arkansas State team. And, of course, Derek got another bye this week. Before we get some Wednesday night, our first real weekday um, action of the season, they'll be going to Statesboro to take on a Georgia Southern squad who we'll get into here in just a sec. But before we leave off Red Wolves, the two things I'd like to see them accomplish – one, I just want to give them credit. They are they, they're starting to run the football again. Warm one has 206 yards in three games, averaging 6.1 yards a carry. That's good to see them um, get get back to finally have something on the ground. But they're struggling to produce explosive plays on offense. When you run this hurry up no huddle, it's going to be essential that they be able to have some burst. I think that's one thing that cost them in the SMU game. They haven't been able to really produce explosive plays either on the ground or in the air. And then defensively, they're really struggling to stop the run. They're, both Nebraska and Arkansas State really had their way on the ground, so that's something that they're going to have to work on moving forward. But we'll move on to Georgia Southern. Tyson Summers' squad, after the bye week, went to Indiana and just got crushed. 52-17 to 17 was, I believe, the final score. And the only real positive out of this, after falling in a huge 21-0 hole in the first quarter and then a 31 Nothing whole. We saw their passing game get uh, going a little bit as Shea Words completed two touchdown passes, but it, things still aren't looking good in Statesboro. Um, and the kid only passed the ball uh, 14 times. Now, in the offense they run, they're not going to pass the ball much anyway, but he, I mean, he was six for 14 passing for 129, added those two scores, as you mentioned. Uh, running game, uh, you know, it was split up as you would expect it between LA Ramsby and Wesley Fields. Uh, Shy Wirtz himself got in on a few carries there. Uh, Ramsby had over a hundred yards, uh, had over a hundred yards rushing, but no scores to show for it. They racked up 242 yards on the ground, but Indiana in return racked up 282 on the ground. They had Morgan Ellison ran off for 186 and a couple scores in the passing game. They didn't have to pass it that much, did Indiana themselves, because they were so far ahead. They just had to keep the ball on the ground. A lot of guys carried the football. So, I mean, I had a feeling this was going to happen. We talked about this. We thought that, you know, Indiana was a a big play last week with the spread. At, I believe, what was it, 24, 25 points, 27 maybe. I can't remember at this point. It was right at 24. Yeah, 24. I mean, we thought that was a definite play, and it, and it turned out that that was the case. We both loved Indiana, and, and that was pretty much eliminated midway through the second quarter. Indiana had the game won by the spread-wise. When you dive into the stats for Georgia Southern, it's really ugly. Shea Wirtz has completed 21 passes. He's taken 13 sacks. So on twenty, on nearly 23% of the times he drops back to pass, he's taken a sack. So that's just ugly. And then your leading rusher is Wirtz with 
he's averaging five yards a carry, so he's been pretty good when he's actually ran the ball and not gotten sacked. But Fields, Wesley Fields is a guy I thought would have a really big year. He's only averaging 2.7 yards a carry. Ransby had, had really done nothing until he ran for over 100 yards in this game against Indiana. So their offense is just really ugly. They they flashed some signs against Indiana, so hopefully they can parlay that into something against Arkansas State. And like I just mentioned, Arkansas State is having struggling, having struggles to stop the run, so we'll see what they can do. But we'll get more into that game next week. But it's a, not really a bye. It's more of an off week for Georgia Southern and Arkansas State this week. But uh, especially the Eagles, they have a lot, a lot to work on. And it's not looking like a good year for Summers. When you look at their schedule, the only game they may be favored in the rest of the way is when they host Georgia State. Yeah, that from this point, that looks about the only game that they're going to be favored in, and that's uh, and that and that game could end up being a battle of teams uh, just dying for a win when that game comes around on uh, November the fourth. So, I mean, because from this point on, I don't see where Georgia Southern picks up a win playing Arkansas State, New Mexico State, UMass. And Troy, you know, over their next four games that they play, especially going to UMass and to Troy. So, I mean, I, I think you're going into that uh, Georgia State game. I think there's a about a 70% chance, 70 to 75% chance Georgia Southern goes into that game possibly at 0 6. Absolutely. That's definitely a chance. And speaking of Georgia State, they picked up the first win of the Sean Elliott era as they traveled to Charlotte and got the Sun Belt. I believe their first win over the Conference USA this year as they shut out the 49ers 28 to nothing. Now, Charlotte's looking like they may be the worst team in college football this season, but still, that's a nice win for Georgia State. Um, again, they had a back run for over 100 yards, which is a good sign, even though it took 31 carries for Glenn Smith to get there. But anytime you can get a shutout and get a row win, um, that's good for your program. Connor Manning played his best game of the season at quarterback. So some good things for Georgia State. And so enter another bye week um, this Saturday as they had, uh, unfortunately, Memphis uh, bought out of their game uh, so they could play UCF this weekend. Yeah, it's uh, the Georgia State win over Charlotte. I'm glad to see the program pick up a win. They did it, you know, 28 nothing. They did it in decisive fashion, but you're right. UNC Charlotte looks like probably the worst team at FBS college football. I'm not so sure that the top half of the FCS top 25 couldn't beat UNC Charlotte at this point. North Carolina A&T did it just a couple of weeks ago. And so you look for Georgia State. They got the off week. Then they're going to be traveling to Conway to play Coastal. That should be a good game. Uh, They got Louisiana Monroe. That should be another good game. But, uh, it gets really tough after Louisiana Monroe for Georgia State when they got Troy, South Alabama, Georgia Southern, App State, Texas State, and Idaho to end the year. If Georgia State wants to pick up some conference wins, they better do it against Coastal Carolina or Louisiana Monroe because from that point on, I don't know other than maybe Texas State that they grab a conference win. For me, when you look at the schedule, the ceiling's probably 3-9. and nine. Um, it's just uh, I, I think they'll pull off at least one upset the rest of the way. But after that, um, you're really kind of grasping for straws. Um, South Alabama is going to be a good opportunity. They get them on a Thursday night. I believe that game will be on one of the ESPN networks. And then Idaho at the end of the season, I think they could uh, play with the Vandals. But it's just going to be hard. But it just for Sean Elliott's group, is just about progress. Um, they're going to have to get good play out of Connor Manning the rest of the year. 
And if they can continue to find ways to just manufacture some type of running game, their offense should be able to do some stuff. And then defensively, they've got some nice pieces, especially in the secondary. But that front seven is not great. But it's a win. It's the first one of the era. I, I thought Georgia State was going to struggle this year. I know some people had them as a trendy pick preseason. But they're, they're doing fine. They just need to recruit right now and just – Show improvement is going to be the biggest thing for Elliott. I don't think anybody's going to judge him off wins and losses this season. No, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's about building those uh, those bottom pieces, building that foundation, and they're going to have to start working their way up with the 2018 class that they're going to be bringing in, start putting that together, get that together, bring some guys in, and just build for the future. Because for Georgia State, I mean, really, there's nowhere to go but up. Absolutely. It's a program that's got a lot going for it right now. We need to get Elliott to get some of his players in here, and I think the GSU will be fine moving forward. And then, as we just mentioned, Idaho earlier, earlier, the Vandals picked up a huge win as they went on the road and beat South Alabama in double overtime. Did you get to see any of that game, Aikman? If so, what were your thoughts on uh, how the Vandals played? Well, I got to, I was keeping up with it. This game uh, actually started and was going on uh, while the Appalachian State game was, but this game took forever. I mean, I was looking down, seeing this game was under a cancellation uh, for uh, storms or something of that nature. I looked, and then I looked back. They were playing again. Look back. It was, I believe, an uh, under another cancellation and they went into double overtime this game seemed like it went it played all day and all evening saturday yeah they went through a bunch of cancellations it was really a crazy game south alabama got out to an early lead and really idaho scratched and clawed the whole game and didn't really tie it until i believe it was a last second field goal um, to send it into overtime and then they had some more delays and really just kind of crazy but it was a nice win for the vandals it was a win they had to have if they hope to get back to that six-win mark and get to the postseason again. Yeah, this is a big pickup win for the Vandals. I was glad to see Lenahan come out, uh, you know, 23 for 38, 273 and a score. Uh, Saunders, 18 carries, 63 yards and a touchdown. Uh, uh, Owanu, the uh, receiver for Idaho, eight receptions, 119 yards. He had a He had a really good day. So, I mean, I was glad to see Idaho finally get that win. And, you know, this is something I'm going to start to look at. If South Alabama continues to uh, to fall to teams and with who they've got coming up with Louisiana Tech and Troy, two games are going to be tough ones there. One has to wonder, how hot does the seat that Joey Jones is sitting on become? Yeah, that's something interesting. Before I just want to touch on a couple things with Idaho before we move on to that. Um Jacob Sannon and Alfonso on Nomar are two two guys you need to know. Both are are they're really all, all that Idaho has in the passing game, and they're both having really good seasons so far. Nomar is averaging 17 yards a catch, and then Jacob Sannon's actually been targeted 43 times. So those two seniors are having good seasons in Idaho. It was a nice bounce back win for them after how their season kind of started. They let one slip away there when they went to Western Michigan, but their offense is starting to get going after a disappointing performance at UNLV. And with, uh, they should have, they have a game coming up with UL Lafayette that they should win. And then a few weeks later they get ULM at home. So that's that, those four wins are going to give them a chance. And then later in the year they have coastal Carolina, but then they have two games on the road that they can win at New Mexico state and Georgia state. So 
they're sitting at where they should probably be right now. The loss of UNLV hurts, but the Vandals are still in okay shape. But we'll move on to South Alabama and Joey Jones. I mentioned it earlier in the season. I thought Jones was a guy that could be definitely on the hot seat. And he definitely showed it here recently as they fired his offensive coordinator after a one and three start. Yeah, that's uh, this is what I started looking at and uh, looking at stat lines for South Alabama and uh, how they have struggled this year. And you know, with what they continue and what they have left on this slate. Now they avoid Appalachian State, but they still got to play Troy and Arkansas State and New Mexico State. Uh, the later portions of this. Uh, season and so this is a uh, this is a team that I I honestly think if they start if they're already 0-1 and I expect them to start 0-2 when they travel to Troy in a couple weeks if they were to lose to either Monroe or Georgia State there at the end of October I believe you may see that seat get flaming hot on Joey Jones. I agree 100% I think that's kind of started already as he needs to make some changes with the offense. The offense hasn't been great that, this year, but I don't think it's been terrible. The only real issue I've had with them is they haven't really ran the ball with Xavier Johnson yet. They did it this past week against Idaho, and Johnson had a monster game where he went for 155 yards on 20 carries with two touchdowns. I think he's maybe the best back in the Sun Belt, and they need to ride him this last part of the season, but they – they lost all their receivers from last year, and then they have they have quarterback issues right now. Cole Garvin went out with an injury, and now Dallas Davis has hurt his shoulder again. So they really kind of screwed there at that quarterback position. Defensively, I like what they have on that on their team. Jeremy Reeves is the best defensive player in the Sun Belt, the safety who they play all over the field, and I like their front seven. But the schedule is just brutal, and they have a ton of toss-up games, and Idaho is one of them, and they lost that one at home. So that was a huge loss to start Sunbelt play. And then they, they go to Louisiana They go to Louisiana Tech and Troy in back-to-back weeks, and both of those are going to be tall tasks uh, for them to win. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't see South Alabama picking up those wins. I, I don't. And so then it comes down to that stretch of Monroe, Georgia State, and Louisiana Lafayette over your uh, next three games after the Troy game in a couple weeks. And – that's going to be your best spot to pick up wins if you're South Alabama is those three weeks. And, you know, that Georgia State game, I think, is going to be very interesting to watch because that could be a game that could be another big feather in the hat of Sean Elliott, or that could be the game that officially marks the end of the Joey Jones era at South Alabama. Of course, getting it, we'll kind of preview that Louisiana Tech game this week. Louisiana Tech is a team that's thought to be a contender in the CUSA West, but it's looking like UTSA is separating themselves as a team to beat in that conference. And I I think Southern Miss has played better than Louisiana Tech to this point in the season. Now, Louisiana Tech did play well and really should have won at South Carolina last weekend. South Carolina had a prayer and then finally hit a game, finally hit a field goal after struggling the last two games in the kicking department. But South Alabama, they have the talent to compete with Louisiana Tech, and if they can get good QB play, I think that's a game they can win. But we just don't know. With a new offensive coordinator now, Bryant Benson is gone. We really don't know what to expect as they enter this game as, I believe, two touchdown dogs on the road. 
Yeah, they do. Uh, the spread is 13 and a half on this one, the over under at 57 and a half. And, you know, I see USA West picture that. I mean, you just kind of pick who you think at, at this point because, I mean, Louisiana Tech is is right there. Uh, you've got uh, UTSA. You got uh, North Texas, who's been playing some pretty good football here as of late, Southern Miss. So that U- that conference, USA West, is uh, you got a, a good mixture of teams right there that are vying for spots. And, you know, South Alabama, this could be a win that – they really need – it's not a win. I don't think that they're expected to get the spread reflects that. But this could be a big win for South Alabama if they could go into Ruston on uh, on Saturday night and pull this win out. But that's a tall task to do. Yeah, especially with the rivalry game coming up with Troy, I believe, uh, two weeks from Wednesday, which is today, the day we're recording this. But you just don't know. We'll see how that develops. But we'll move on. There's one more team that's off this week that I want to touch on. Eight men. That is the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette, who, again, another Sunbelt game. We had two Sunbelt games last weekend, and they both went into double overtime. They, got, they call it the Fun Belt for a reason. But the Raging Cajuns, uh, Jordan Davis, their quarterback, was out. But their backup, Andre Nunez, played pretty well. But the story down there in Cajun country is this defense. They had the worst defense in the FBS, they're giving up they, over 50-something points per game. And new co- offensive coordinator, Will Hall, it's moving the ball. and They're putting up points, but their defense has struggled to adjust to this new scheme, and they haven't been able to stop anyone. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, this defense has been hideous uh, this year. They give up 56 to Louisiana Monroe uh, last Saturday, 45 to Texas A&M, 66 to Tulsa, and 51 to an FCS, or I mean 48 to an FCS Southeastern Louisiana team. When this team gets in, you know, starts back conference play next week, traveling to Idaho to Texas State, a team that's trying to put some pieces together. But once after that, once they get into Arkansas State, uh, South Alabama, New Mexico State, Ole Miss, Appalachian State and Georgia Southern, if this defense ain't any better, there's a few games right there you might see 50 to 60 points being put up on the Cajuns. Absolutely. They're really wasting a great offensive effort. Freshman running backs Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell aren't getting talked about, but they're having awesome seasons. Both are averaging over six and a half yards per carry. Both have four touchdowns. Both are on pace for you know an 800, 900-yard season. But, you know, they haven't been able to stop anybody. They've, they've gotten decent quarterback play from both Davis and Nunez. Keenan Barnes and Jamarcus Bradley are having awesome seasons as receivers. But this offense is just going to waste because the defense just cannot stop anybody. And it's something that Hudspeth is going to have to figure out. they got a bye week this week before they head to Idaho. But if they don't figure this out quickly, when you look at their schedule, it's brutal. They still have to go to Ole Miss plus they have road trips to Arkansas State and Appalachian State it's now they do get Texas State and Georgia Southern at home so those are likely wins but you're starting to look at the schedule where a three and nine season might be the best they can do this season yeah you're exactly right and three and nine was exactly what popped into my head looking at what they have left because the only places I see the Cajuns getting wins from here on out is Texas State and maybe 
South Alabama, and it depends on how much better the Jags get. If South Alabama starts to turn some things around with their offense, it can finally start to uh, look better on offense. Then you know there's a chance there, and then maybe Georgia Southern when that's Thanksgiving weekend. You don't know this far out how much better they're going to get, but three and nine, four and eight is kind of where I see this team at because. Ole Miss, you know, easier said than done going to Oxford. New Mexico State can put points up on the board. They can throw it all over your defense. Arkansas State and, you know, Appalachian State, uh, they can score when the offense wakes up and decides to play, but the Raging Cajun offense against that App State defense, that'll be one of the better defenses the Cajuns will play all year. The two games I'm giving them wins are, it may be a mistake, Texas State and Georgia Southern, I think they'll take care of business. What's going to be key for them, that would give them three wins on the year. There's going to be two toss-up games. That's when they go to South Alabama on November 4th and when they host Mexico State on November 18th. If they can get wins there, that could get them to five. And looking at that schedule, that's what pretty much everybody expected was five and seven. But if they can somehow fix this defense and with all these young players on offense, they could really have something in 2018. But if they can't fix this defense, it's going to be a long offseason for Mark Hudspeth. So now that's if they can just find answers, they're going to be fine because that offense on paper next season is going to be the best in the Sun Belt. But the defensive issues are worrisome, but it's a long season and they do have time to figure it out um, as we move forward. They do. They've got time, but uh, the problem they, they're going to run into is you can't take too much time because Idaho is an offense up there. That game's at Idaho inside the Kibbe Dome. That could be a fast-paced game. I mean, you're inside. You don't have to worry about weather. So, you know, that defense better get some things together in this off week this week because Idaho started to put some pieces together last week. Lend a hand in that passing game if the defense don't get better. The the Vandals could uh, stretch out a, uh, a lead over the Cajuns, and they might go up to the uh, Kibbe Dome and come back with a loss next week. I agree 100%. But let's move finally get into previewing some games this week. Our game of the week is going to be the only Sunbelt contest, which is kind of weird at this point in the season. But it is what it is. Coastal Carolina is heading to Monroe to take on ULM. And in this game, Wakeman, it's kind of when you look at teams last week, you had the best performance was probably what ULM did in Lafayette, and the worst performance was what Coastal Carolina did at home against Western Illinois. And you, of course, are our beat writer at Underdog Dynasty for the Chanticleers. What the hell happened there in Conway with that beat down the Leathernecks put on the, the chance? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was keeping up with that game and uh, and uh, listening to it in on my phone. And my ex- that's the exact thing that hit me. What the hell happened in Conway? Because I couldn't figure this out myself. They were up ten to seven after the first quarter. Things to be, things seemed to be going okay. And then all of a sudden, it's like somebody dropped a bomb right in the middle of Brooks Stadium and said, "Leathernecks go!" and the and the dogs ran away with it. I mean, fifty-two to ten. You lose to an FCS team when you're an FCS team. Now, granted. Coastal Carolina's not far removed from being an FCS team. They still got a lot of FCS caliber players on the roster, but still, fifty-two to ten to a team of this is a very good Western Illinois team. In my preview last week, I wrote up this team can score. They know how to score the football. They're very good at running the football. They're good at stopping the run. 
And my Lord, did they ever stop the run. I mean, they held – they basically crippled the Coastal Carolina offense, and they, they couldn't do anything. I mean, it, you go back, you look at some of the stats, you dive into that. Tyler Keene was a awful 6-for-11 passing 85 yards. Uh, Chance Thrasher, he was 5-for-10, 52 yards and two interceptions. Dalton Demos even got snaps at quarterback. He was 0-for-2 with an interception. Uh, the running game was no better. Marcus Outlow was our the leading rusher for the Chanticleers. Only four carries for 66 yards, and most of that came on a 43-yard run that Outlow had. Osharmar Abercrombie looked like Jalen Moore for Appalachian State. Nine carries for 18 yards. His longest run of the day was five. So, I mean, this was utter just you got to just hang your head if you're a Chanticleer fan on this one at how bad this performance was. You give up 285 yards through the air, 225 yards on the ground is what you give up. I, I mean, it was just a horrible, horrible performance by Coastal Carolina. Yeah, for this Coastal Carolina offense, it's just one-dimensional right now. We knew it going into the season that they had quarterback issues and the, the guys behind center just aren't getting it done. They played two seniors and a sophomore, Tyler Keynes received most of the playing time, but combined, these three are have thrown one touchdown and six interceptions. No one's completing more than 50% of their passes. Um, they're averaging less than five yards per attempt. It's just been ugly at quarterback. And so, really, de- what defenses have to do is just start stop Abercrombie. Of course, he bursted onto the scene with that huge game against UMass to start the season, but since then, teams have adjusted. But the good thing for them going into this week is this, this ULM defense struggles to stop the run. They they really struggle to stop anybody. So that, that should be a good sign for them going forward as they look to bounce back on Saturday. You're exactly right. I think this is a game, uh, if some things go right, that Coastal Carolina could possibly win this game. I don't think they will. I think the only this is how I think Coastal Carolina can win this game is if Monroe, after that big emotional uh, double overtime victory over the Cajuns last week, if they come out and play flat, play sloppy football, and Coastal Carolina's defense looks better and can capitalize, make plays, force turnovers, that's going to be the recipe for a Coastal Carolina win. They're obviously going to have to have the offense play and the running game come back. But ULM has struggled against the run this year. They've given up a lot of running yards. So if there's any game for Abercrombie to get back to form that he was through the first couple of games of the year, it's here against the Warhawks. So, I mean, it's only an eight-point uh, differential by the spread. So, you know, a, a turnover here or there that the Chanticleers can force, this game could easily go their way, and they pick up their first Sunbelt win ever in their first-ever Sunbelt game. Yeah, I think they have a really good shot here. It's a perfect spot for Coastal Carolina coming off an embarrassing loss, ULM coming off a huge win, the biggest win of the Matt Viator era. ULM is struggling a little bit to run the football from the running back position. Really the only running attack they've gotten is from quarterback Caleb Evans, who's averaging eight yards per carry and had a monster game last week. I believe he ran for six touchdowns against the Cajuns. Like I mentioned earlier, the Warhawks struggle against the ground game, stopping the run, and that's what Coastal does. And the line, I believe, open with ULM being favored by 11. It has dropped to eight. I think Coastal is the play here because ULM should not be favored by more than one score over anybody. And I like Coastal in a bounce-back spot here. 
I think ULM probably wins, but it's going to be a very, very close game that goes down to the wire in the fourth quarter. Well, I'll tell you what, I uh, I wish I would have known that this game opened up at 11 because I'd have jumped all over that in a heartbeat. I think it, to open this game up at 11, to me, is kind of a slap in the face of Coastal Carolina in a lot of ways, and I, I just think that's way too much when it comes to uh, opening up the spread. I think they were reading too much into that Western Illinois game uh, last week out in Vegas, but yeah, I'm ULM, as I mentioned, they struggle stopping the run. I think uh, this Coastal Carolina team will get back to form when it comes to running the football this week. I don't – I mean, this they could win. I don't think they're going to have quite enough. I think ULM may have just a little bit too much, but this game could easily come down to a field goal. And one thing I'll say is that Coastal has been pretty good against the run so far this year, and ULM has yet to – prove they consistent they can can consistently pass the ball so if they're able to stop the run and then they're able to get the running game going on offense this could be an upset to keep an eye on but I'm giving Matt Viator's squad the edge at home I think he's one of the best coaches in the Sun Belt he's definitely in the top five and once he gets some talent there I think they're, they're really going to develop into quite a program but this is going to be a good 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 game on Saturday night down there in Monroe. Yeah, it's going to be going to be a game I'm definitely going to be watching, seeing what the Shauna Clears, uh, how they look against Monroe since App State is off this weekend. I can really focus in on watching uh, Coastal Carolina this weekend. So this is a game, you you know, for your true Sunbelt fans out there and fans of Sunbelt football, this being the only conference game, this is the game this week that has the most implications. Yes, it is, and we'll move on another game. New Mexico State travels to Fayetteville for an early kickoff. It's going to be noon on the SEC network. I believe that's 10 o'clock local time for the Aggies, but I'm ex- Arkansas really hasn't stopped anybody this season, so look for a shootout there in Fayetteville. i tell you what, the Aggies can score the football. Uh, they're averaging right around 32 points a game, just over 31, uh, giving up uh, 26 points a game. Arkansas's given up 28 points a game, so they're kind of right on par giving up for what New Mexico State averages. They're in that vicinity of the ballpark. This game could be a very interesting game. I look for Arkansas to uh, win this game when it comes down to it, but don't be surprised if New Mexico State does not play with Arkansas the same way they played with Arizona State back at the start of the year. I agree. I think that Aggies are going to keep it close at Vent. Eventually, Arkansas will pull away. It's a tough spot for New Mexico State. Arkansas coming off that, that tough, tough loss to Texas A&M. So you got to think they'll be motivated for this one. Even head coach Brett Bielema said, expect to see a pissed-off team this Saturday with the Hogs. So New Mexico State's going to have to come ready to play, but they're going to be able to move the ball. It's just going to be getting stops, and can they convert in the red zone? We'll see. Um, Arkansas's got a pretty good offense. they got a good senior quarterback. We've got a freshman running back in Chase Hayden that's been really, really good to start the season. But expect the Aggies to keep it close. Um, but I do worry about that's an early, early start for them. It's going to be 10 a.m. local time, new or 10 a.m. New Mexico State time, 11 a.m. local time there in Fayetteville. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But that's definitely going to be the game to watch. Is that the only Sun Belt game on in the early spot? Yeah, it is. You're right. Uh, and you know, I also look. You know, I look for Larry Rose to see what he does against this uh, Razorback defense. It's it's never a good thing when 
an SEC coach comes right out and says you're expect to see a pissed off team, as you mentioned, that Brett Bielema said uh, come Saturday. That's never a good thing, especially when you're a G5 team sitting across the field from them. And one thing to keep an eye on, the Mexico State has been able to rush the passer so far this season. In three games, Austin Allen has been sacked ten times. So that offensive line has had trouble protecting him. So expect defensive coordinator Frank Spaziani to bring a lot of pressures to try to get some sacks. In my Dalton Harrington is a guy I wrote about in Player of the Year Chase. I put him at fifth. I had him as the only defensive player on the list. So far, he leads the Sun Belt in tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks. So he's really been a stud to start the season. And he he's going to be a guy that could make a lot of plays against uh, against Allen on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this I'm uh, you know looking forward to this and seeing uh, where uh, where this plays out. And you know, with with Josh Allen, you look. I mean, you, this is a kid being talked about as a possible you know number one overall draft pick for uh, the NFL draft this upcoming spring in 2018. So you know, this well, that's, uh, that he that's the Wyoming quarterback. But we're going to get to him in a second. But Austin Allen, the Arkansas quarterback. My bad. I was I am I apologize for that. I was looking here at my notes for Texas State and Wyoming. I had flipped over my page. I apologize. So that's my apology. So when you go back to New Mexico State and Arkansas, yes, you're right. I mean, I, I really look for uh, Allen. He's 35 for 67 this year, passing 502 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. It's what he's uh, got on the year so far. This is kind of a balanced, in a way, uh, team, very balanced team for Arkansas. The average 182 through the air, 197 on the ground. Uh, you look at what New Mexico State allows. They allow 238 yards through the air passing. And, you know, this is a game where Austin Allen, th- he may end up having a 300-yard day here because he, you know, it's. I think when you look at the New Mexico State schedule, he's, other than uh, Silvers for Troy, this is one of the better quarterbacks they're going to see all year. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real exciting game there in Fayetteville and one that could maybe develop into a shootout. But either way, you've got two good senior quarterbacks going at it. So I'd say just let them get in the shotgun and fire the pigskin around the yard. But we'll move on to that game you were talking about. Texas State travels to Wyoming for a 4 o'clock Eastern kickoff. And, of course, Wyoming has the Josh Allen that we've heard all about this offseason. Yeah, as I as I mentioned, you know, he's a projected number one Overall pick possible in some people's mock drafts. Some people, it's Sam Darnold at USC. Some people think it's going to be Josh Allen from Wyoming. Uh, he's 63 for 115 on the season, 658. Three scores is what he's tossed uh, this year. So, And he's going up against the team. Texas State does not have a bad defense. Just asked Appalachian State a couple of weeks ago. This Texas State defense is not horrible by any means, I mean, they're averaging, giving up 28 points a game. They really got blasted against uh, UTSA and uh, and Colorado. But other than that, they've kind of held in line. They held in line against a very good Appalachian State team. And I, th- I, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to say, uh, even though with their quarterback situation in Wyoming, I think you're going to be hard-pressed to say that Wyoming is that much better than Appalachian State. So, I mean, this is a game I don't expect Texas State to win. 
Uh, but Allen has been a little bit interception prone this year. He's threw three picks and three touchdowns, so his TD to interception ratio is you know dead even with three apiece. So you know if a, the Texas State defense could make a few plays here and there, you know this game could be closer than some people expect. Yeah, I think Texas State. I'd like them to keep it close this year. Other than last week against UTSA, they've really kind of overachieved in each game. Their defense has played really well, I, I believe, to start the season. And Wyoming has struggled on offense, so I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Texas State just doesn't have the firepower in offense at all. They're really only way they're moving the ball so far this year has really been through explosive plays in the past in the air. When it comes to just a regular offense, they're they're really struggling, uh, but they've been able to burst an, an occasional a big play. Running back Anthony Smith, freshman, has has shown some uh, potential, and of course Damian Williams, uh, the transfer from Mississippi State, has played okay, but he's he's only completing fifty four percent of his passes. He's already taken nine sacks on the season, but their defense they're going to lean on their defense, and I expect a conservative game plan from Everett Withers. And also for Wyoming, they just they're, they're really struggling with Allen. He doesn't have the weapons he had last year, so expect them to lean on the run as well. And Wyoming actually has a, a what I think is a decent defense, so expect a low scoring game. I don't think Texas State wins here, Aikman, but I think they they play the Cowboys uh, pretty tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think they walk out of uh, Laramie with a win, but I think that they uh, I think they can keep this game closer than people expect. I think 16 and a half. It's a lot of points. Wyoming has not looked that great, in my opinion, this year. I mean, they're all not. They to me, they weren't even that impressive against Gardner Webb, and they won twenty seven to nothing over the running Bulldogs of uh, Gardner Webb, a team nearby here in my area of North Carolina. And I mean, to only beat them twenty seven to nothing, and this is a Gardner Webb team traditionally that's bad in the Big South Conference that Coastal Carolina recently came out of. So to me, twenty seven to nothing's not that impressive against them. So really, I mean, and they. Barely beat Hawaii, lost to Iowa, got blown out by Oregon. So, to me, Wyoming is nothing special by any means. I think just all the talk is centered on their quarterback, who's not even you know performed. I don't think he's pre- performed to the stature of a number one pick this year so far through the four games they've played. So, you know, I I, don't, I think the sixteen and a half is too high. If I was going to bet this game, I think I'd lay my money on the Bobcats. I'm with you on that one, and we'll move on to the final game of the day Troy sitting at three and one heads to LSU to take on the Tigers who are also sitting at three and one LSU has not looked great on offense this season and their defense in the last two weeks has shown some weaknesses but Troy's offense has been slow to get going they've played well lately mainly because Brandon Silvers and Jordan Chun have really started to get warmed up I think Troy's going to have a shot at uh, making something happen here. They won't have the talent, I don't think, to get the win. But this could be a game that going to the fourth quarter is pretty tight, just like when Troy went to Clemson last year. Well, I hope it is. If you would have asked me this question before the uh, before the Mississippi State game and the Syracuse game for uh, – uh, L- for uh, Troy going into LSU before LSU played Syracuse and Mississippi State, I'd have said Troy's going up against probably the best defense in the country because through their first uh, or 
through their first uh, two games of the year, that defense for LSU looked outstandingly good. BYU couldn't cross the 50 against them. They blew out uh, Tennessee Chattanooga like they were supposed to. Then all of a sudden, when they went to Mississippi State, things changed. That defense got shredded for 37 points. Syracuse put 26 up on them, and Syracuse is a ho-hum, run-of-the-mill, maybe slightly below average ACC team. And, you know, you look at some of Syracuse's games, you know, they they beat Central Michigan, they barely beat Middle Tennessee State, and they beat Central Connecticut State. They really haven't played anybody other than LSU. So, I mean, you know, that all of a sudden that LSU defense doesn't look as Goliath as we thought it would through the first two weeks of the year. Uh, one thing I will say is that Syracuse offense, they throw it vertical a lot. And that's not something Troy really does. It's more of a dink and dunk kind of spreads you out. Um, don't want to take sacks, just want to get out. It's kind of an extension of the run game. They're just throwing a lot of quick stuff. I think this, this week, Neil Brown's offense, they're going to have to take more vertical shots down the field. They're going to have to trust Silvers and trust the receivers that, to get open down the seams. If they can connect on some, some of those early, that's really going to give them a shot, and it's really going to open up a lot of things in the playbook because they're, they're def- that LSU's defense is really going to be keyed in on stopping Shun as he's been Troy's best player here lately. But if they can make some vertical throws, they're going to be in this game. And LSU's an offense that's struggling right now, and Troy is playing some pretty good defense. So that's a game where if Silvers can just make some throws and stay confident and they can take care of the football, um, they're going to, I think they're going to be in that game late with a chance to do something. Well, you know, I think you're right. Both teams have, you know, good defenses. Both defenses only give up 18 points per game. Offenses are similar. Troy averages 24 points a game. LSU 28 points a game. I mean, just on paper, you look at what these teams average just on paper. By stat lines on paper, these teams are dead even for the most part in almost every category. I mean, they're right there neck and neck with each other. But, I mean, you just look at the the difference level of what these two teams have. I think Troy could keep this game close. Uh, but then, you know, as you get into that second half, and it's going to be a hot, humid day in Baton Rouge, I believe the temperature is going to be 90 degrees down there. And as we know, Louisiana heat is kind of like, you know, unlike any other kind of heat. So, I mean, this game is going to be, uh, it's going to be hot. I think Troy keeps it close going into halftime. I think third quarter, the Trojans are still within a score to 10 points. Fourth quarter, I think LSU just just has a little bit too much, and they start to pull away. I agree with you there. I think LSU does pull away late, but I think Troy, I really do think they got a chance to get in that fourth quarter with it being a close game. But we'll move on, and pretty much, Aikman, what are you what are you looking for for the league to accomplish this weekend? Now, I know it's kind of weird because half of them are off, but what do you, what, what are you looking to see to, from the Sun Belt, and what do you think some teams need to accomplish? Well, you look at the games that uh, we have uh, going on. We have four non-conference games and one in-conference games. In-conference games. So we've got six teams in action out of the league uh, this week, and two of them are playing each other. I think that uh, the thing to watch again is you need to pick up those key non-conference victories with teams that you have. Uh, it would look good for South Alabama to pull out an upset over Louisiana Tech just to look, put the Sun Belt another game uh, in the win column against CUSA. I think it would look good if Texas State could pull a big upset in, uh, in Laramie overwhelming to give the Sun Belt uh, 
a win over a Mountain West team, but then you got the Power Five teams playing again. You got New Mexico State at Arkansas, you got Troy at LSU. But overall, my my viewpoint of this week, my one thing I'm going to look for is can we get another win over a G five conference because we're at the point now the power five games are going to be fewer as we go you got a couple teams with some non-conference games later in the year against other g5 uh, conferences and i think those games are going to be important to give this because a lot of people still don't respect the Sun Belt. i mean you, you see it on social media i see it on social media a lot of people still do not respect the Sun Belt that much a lot of people look at us as the bottom of fbs conferences when it comes to uh G5 football and I think these games South Alabama, Louisiana Tech, Texas State, Wyoming, I would love to see at least one if not and I'd love to see both pull out wins, but at least one to get us another win over a fellow G5 school and conference. Last week helped that a lot as Troy was able to beat Akron, Georgia State went on the road and won at Charlotte and then uh New Mexico State blew out UTEP. So they got to pick up some wins last week which I think helped, but overall they haven't performed well in non-conference play. But this weekend, when you're looking at the non-conference games, they're du- some else double-digit dogs in each contest, and I don't expect any of those three, whether it's New Mexico State at Arkansas, Texas State at Wyoming, Troy at LSU, and then of course South Alabama, Louisiana Tech. I don't think any of those are going to win. If it's anybody, it's going to be South Alabama. But we just don't know what we're going to see from the Jags this week with a new offensive coordinator. For me, all my eyes are going to be on this Coastal Carolina ULM contest. Whoever wins this game is going to have a chance to go on a little run here. We're going to find out how for real the Warhawks are. It's Louisiana Lafayette just that bad, or is their offense really – do they really have some? Because when you look at ULM schedule, they could really potentially go on a run here. If they beat Coastal, they'll move to 2-0 and on Sunbelt play, and then their next four games are – at Texas State, Georgia State, at South Alabama, at Idaho. Those are all four games that they can win. So you're talking about potentially maybe a 6-0, a 5-1, and maybe 4-2 and start in the league. That'd be really, really impressive for Matt Viator's club if they could do that. And then they're setting up to where maybe they could even get to that six-win mark, but they'd have to be coastal first. And then for the Chanticleers, it's how they bounce back. I, th- I think they got a good opportunity. I think they match up well with ULM. And if they bounce back well, they, they get Georgia State at home next week. So then they could get off to a 2-0 and start in the Sun Belt. So it's, uh, that's an interesting matchup for me. For me. I, I, I'm interested to see how those two teams play against each other. I think they match up pretty well, and I think it's going to be a really good game there in Monroe. Yeah, you're exactly right. And the way I'm going to sum it up, I like how you talked about, is Monroe for real or not? We're going to find out this week. And we are. I think I I sum it up like this. If Monroe scores less than, you know, 30 points, then we know the Cajuns are just that bad. If they score 35 plus, I think we know they're for real. I agree with that because I think Coastal's got a pretty good defense. But we'll go ahead and wrap up this pod here. Aikman, once again, man, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. I enjoy doing it. enjoy talking to our Sunbelt football. Uh, we got we got a lot less previews this week for us, our Sunbelt teams as half the league is uh, on a bye. No App State preview uh, this week. We do have the Coastal Carolina-Louisiana uh, Monroe preview going to be coming out uh, here soon before Saturday. So, uh, look for that, but that's uh, all for me this week. Most of that I'm going to be chipping in on uh, is 
Coastal Carolina. No App State this week, so it kind of, and I mean, really the Sun Belt, I mean, this is pretty much a dead week in the Sun Belt. Yeah, it's really kind of odd, but after this, we're going to have a bunch of conference games to break down. And make sure if you're not, follow us on uh, tw- Twitter, like us on Facebook, Underdog Dynasty. You can follow Aikman at Radio Guy AC. You can follow me, Adam Luckett, BOS. And again, if you could drop us a review, we re- a review, we'd really appreciate it. But until next week, we'll see you later.